It's so good to be here. Like, hopefully you've put a kind of uh, a face to a name you've heard a lot of now. Um, so yeah, I, I've lived in Norfolk, as I said, since 2009. And just while I've got the floor, I just want to say how beautiful the city of Norwich is. Um, if you have your Bibles with you, you might want to turn to the passage. So we're looking at today. It's uh, Matthew 14, 22 to 33. I'll give you a minute. When uh, Paul asked me to speak to you this morning, he asked me to do two things. He asked me to keep it kind of short because of the uh, interview piece we just did. And then maybe give you a key piece of scripture that helps with the day-to-day of church planting. So I hope to do both this morning. And, and afterwards, you can tell me how I did. And I'm 100% sure that if it's good or bad, I'm sh- I'll show you grace. I want to take you through the passage labeled in my ESV as Jesus walks on the water. How does this help in church planting, I hear you ask? Well, I think there are lessons within this passage that with specific situations we might face when we church plant, but not only for church planting, but our daily walk with God. I would like to give you a little flavor of All Nations Watton today, if you're up for it. See, we're very hands-on at Watton praying for each other, because I believe that's what church should be like. Because it's good listening to a person like me for 20 minutes or so, but when you actually use what you've heard, it just goes in that little bit deeper. Is everyone up for that? Good, good. At least someone answered. That's good. Uh, Okay, so let's read the passage. But before we read it, I want to do something slightly different. It's how I read scripture. I tried it out with the Watton folk last week, and uh, it, I felt like it worked. Um, but So what I want you to do is use all five of your senses. So try not to use just your eyes and your ears, but feel, hear, taste. Use your God-given imagination to taste and feel and even smell. Fully immerse yourself in the scripture. Imagine actually being there, feeling the wind on your face, or what does the boat look like or feel like? Listen to the sea crashing around. Use that God-given imagination as we read. Some people, you might have to close your eyes. That's okay, because I'm reading it to you. Um, And for some people, this might not work, uh, and that's okay as well. But um, I really feel that if, if it works for you, then at least you've got something to take away today, just to develop your reading of scripture. So, let's read. Matthew 13, 22 to 33. Immediately, he made the disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on a mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. 
And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when he, they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Oh, Lord, I want to thank you for this morning. Thank you for the truth that we've already heard this morning in worship. Lord, I pray that what I bring today would go deep into people's hearts. Not by my words, but by your spirit, Father God. Come and be amongst us today as we open your scripture now. In Jesus' name, amen. Did it help? Maybe. Being fully immersed in scripture is so helpful to me. And I just wanted to give, give you a little bit of that, to, something to take away. So let's, let's just unpack it. So just some context to, of where we are in the story. Jesus had just finished feeding the 5,000 a great banquet of fish finger sandwiches until they were not only full, but very full. And then straight afterwards, we hit this story, what we're looking at today. He is sending his disciples across the Sea of Galilee to Gennesaret. The Sea of Galilee is not actually a sea. It's a huge lake. It's about 13 miles long, seven miles wide, and it's the second lowest freshwater lake after the Dead Sea, sitting at 207 meters below sea level. I don't know how that works. I'm not a scientist. But because it's so big and so wide, it does act like a sea with ebbs and flows and big waves. So the kind of storm that it describes in this passage definitely did happen. So there's some context to help you frame it. Let's look at the scriptures. First, oh dear, first uh, 22 says, Immediately, he made the disciples get into a boat and go before him on the other side while he dismissed the crowds. The first word here, immediately, is interesting because that word is used an awful lot by Mark, 41 times to be exact, whereas in Matthew, it's only used 10 times. So what's coming is first quick, but also Matthew is kind of saying to his readers, hey guys, take note. This is coming. So he made his disciples get on a boat and he told them to go in ahead. First off, he didn't force them to get into the boat. He didn't whip them and tell them to, them to get on. Each disciple in that moment had a choice and they chose to obey and did what he asked. They had faith in him. And secondly, they didn't hesitate. They didn't contemplate if this was the best decision or work out the best course, they just did. They trusted. Obviously, as we'll see in the passage, their faith and their trust will be tested and stretched. But right out of the gate, we have two lessons to help not only with church planting, but with your walk. The two lessons are faith and trust. So I just want to expand on our kind of foray into church planting. So uh, John approached us and said, would you be interested in leading Watton? Fear came over us because it was quite different to a cell group. And um, we kind of prayed about it. 
And those of you who are doing Alpha uh, will know that God speaks to you by the five CSs. I'm not going to try and remember them because I, I haven't written them down. But one of the five CSs is circumstantial signs. And uh, it was it, we were praying into this idea of leading the Watton Church. And uh, it got to the point where it was totally ridiculous. Um, I remember doing um, being in the preaching conference all about creativity. And the guy was talking about PowerPoints. And he's like, here's a PowerPoint. And it was four words, all nations church. And uh, so God just kept flying up this all nations church, all nations church. So we were kind of going, you're trying to say something here. Um, so we kind of prayed about it and just put our trust in God and have have stayed in that kind of place the entire time we've been. We we want him to lead. We want him to be at the front and us kind of leading behind. We get to be part of his story, not his part of ours. Obedience is God's love language. We can't do anything in our own strength. Without him, it's totally futile. He has to be first and last. And just as I said, we get to be part of his story, not the other way around. This is why the the next kind of lesson from this passage that we get is prayer. So verse 23 says, And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. So even Jesus prayed. He took himself off to a place. Matthew 6, 5 to 8 says, when you, go pray, when you go to pray, go into your room, close the door. There's real power in, that, in having an active prayer life and a secret one as well. Like, it doesn't have to be all Harry Potter-esque, like my prayer life is this cupboard under the stairs. Um, it's wherever you can find time with your father. For example, mine is on my bike to work. Not exactly relaxing, but... When you do take time to develop your relationship, you begin, you begin to kind of feel what he feels. And from a church planting perspective, you kind of get to pray over your congregation, ask him for where he's leading you. And sometimes it's sometimes really easy to just get on my bike and pray. And, and other times it's quite difficult. And it, but it's, it's a habit that's, that's really good. So obviously, don't, ask, don't answer out loud, but a good question to ask yourself is, where is your secret place? So, that's, so we've got faith, we've got trust, we've got prayer. The fourth lesson is battling the storms. When you battle the storms, turn to him. Verses 24 to 27 says, But the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And then the fourth watch of the night, oh, yep, uh, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. So when, when you do battle, when you do battle the storms, turn to God. I see these verses here in a church planting context, but also in a general kind of context. Just a quick spoiler alert, life is hard. 
Sometimes we're in the calm and life is bliss and everything's going smoothly. You might have a really nice job or your kids might be happy. And sometimes, bang, we're right in the middle of the storm. It's almost crushing. You might have lost someone or you feel like God's really far away. But whilst it's insane in that time and that we're almost drowning, guess what? We have a saviour and his name is I Am. His name is Prince of Peace, and his name is Jesus. Amen? Amen. So then how do we battle the storms well? Well, firstly and foremostly, we lean into Jesus. To give you an example, a few months into helping lead the Watton Church plant, it says here two, but I realized it was three, three kind of couples and families that had been there right from the start left. And our little seedling church plant went from about... 10 to 6 overnight and it was really tough like but God kept us and blessed those people who found new churches and stuff but it was really tough like we had to keep faith we had to keep saying that God you have a plan for the church here in Watton and we kept leaning on him and gradually we've seen growth both in our relationship to one another as believers and to people coming into the church. I'm not saying that these people leaving were the catalyst to that, but God does work everything together for good. As an added bonus, which is difficult to find this passage, but it's all over the Bible, is first we put our trust in him, and then secondly, we find people who can come alongside and support us through it. So for a church planting side, like you guys are our scaffolding support. You come in and help us. And um, from a personal perspective, you can think of like people in the Bible like um, Aaron and Burr holding up Moses' hands. Like we, ha- we first have to lean into Jesus, and then we have to find a really good support system. So faith, trust, prayer, battle the storms with Jesus. And then the fifth and final one, is um, know who's on your side. Jesus is on your side. Peter is eager. Sometimes the character of Peter kind of acts before he speaks. He's like, Jesus, I want to go, what, help me walk on water. And then he goes, oh no, I'm walking on water. It's that sink. He's filled with confidence, gets out of the boat. And then doubt casts over him and he begins to sink. Do you know who's on your side? Do you know that the devil is a liar and a coward and damned for all eternity? Do you know that him who raised from the dead lives today? It's really simple. Do you know who's on your side? Because when you do, it will completely change your life forever. Jesus is his name. If you don't know, let me tell you. Because Jesus loved you so much, He died the most horrific death, as we've heard today. Death on a cross. He took on himself what you deserved to set you free so that you could have a right relationship with the Father. It was the ultimate sacrifice. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead because death could not hold him. And when he returned to his Father, he sent us the Holy Spirit. And as Romans 8, 10 to 11 says... If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, 
He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside you today. That is what is on your side if you believe in him. He is with us every step of the journey, just as he was with the disciples. He is the one who fights for us. If you don't know that today, grab hold of it and never let go. Knowing that Jesus is on our side makes us, in a church planting context, brave. But also in a, in a personal relationship as well. If you truly grasp who is on your side, it will give you godly boldness. Joshua 1.9 is a command. It says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord is with you wherever you go. So God there is commanding you to be strong and courageous. Do you know who's on your side? Okay, so we've unpacked it. We've unpacked the passage and from it got five lessons to take away. And I'm sure there's probably loads more of lessons. But just to recap, faith. God's love language is obedience. Trust. We must trust in him. Develop your prayer life. Where is your secret place? Battle the storms in God and not yourself. Without him, you will fail. Know who's on your side. Jesus is on your side. Before we get kind of practical, I want you to know that this isn't a list of requirements or magical mathematical formula. This plus this equals this. No, these are what are in the Bible and the result of pursuing a loving relationship with God. Okay, so we've looked at the, the literary context and the geographical context, and we know what the kind of story is about. And then we've looked at the passage and kind of drawn some lessons out of it, and there's probably hundreds more lessons coming out to come out of it. But to highlight the main point is that we need faith in Jesus in whatever we do whether it be church planting or something completely different. This is kind of our hearts. And now it's time to get practical. This is kind of our hands. So I've heard that your regular preaching series at the moment is going through the book of James, which is fantastic. We were looking at our um, home group not too long ago. And it's a very challenging book in the practical sense, which is fantastic because we're about to get practical. I've talked about the aspects of this passage in church planting context, but what if God hasn't called you to church planting yet? Or, okay, is he pressing something on you that you've been kind of hesitating on? What of the five lessons do you want to grow in? Do you really know that Jesus loves you deeply and that he is on your side? Are you in the middle of the storm and feeling a little bit drained? Do you know Christ? Okay, here's, here's where I'm going to get a bit Watton-like on you. So if you can, stand up. Give, you, give yourself a little bit of a shake. I've been talking for a while. It's just me. Okay, so what we're going to do is that I'm going to, I want you to be brave. And, and if you're not a believer in this doesn't feel comfortable with you, that's fine. You can take a step to the side, but I'd, I'd encourage you to be brave. 
So what we're going to do is we're going to gather around in groups of four or five. I think that would be good here. Um, and try to remain standing just because it helps with um, not going to sleep. <laughs> um, but we'll go for about 10 minutes. And then we'll kind of let the Spirit have his say. But what I want you to do is, just as Jesus and his disciples did, I want you to pray for each other. I want you to chat and ask which of the five lessons you want to grow in or whether you're in the middle of the storm and you need lifting out. Lord, this, um, the Lord wants to uh, do something today. I, I really felt that as I was um, preparing this, that this idea of being brave and moving around was going to be really good. So I'm just going to pray, and then I'm, I'm trusting that you will get into groups of four and five, and then just pray for 10 minutes, and then we'll come back and um, you're close for us. Yes. Father God, I want to thank you today that your word is alive and active. Lord, I want to thank you that you are alive and active. Lord, I want to thank you that you tell us to be, you command us to be brave. Father God, Lord, I, I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, would you come and fill this room? Father God, I pray right now that as, as these individuals gather in groups of four and five, Lord, that they will be stirred in faith to pray bold prayers. Father God, if you've been speaking to someone about a specific situation to move into, Father God, I pray that you would really highlight it now. Lord, I pray for gifts of the Spirit to fall in this place right now, to, for people to be activated and used. Father God, in Jesus' name, amen. So, in uh, Watton style, move and get, get around and pray.